the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. ...or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Welcome into December 16th. Nine days till Christmas. Cue the Christmas music. Cue the Christmas music. Gotta have my cute Christmas music. Nine days till Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Have you bought your kids that chintzy cheap plastic dinosaur that eats a car? If not, you only have nine more days to do it to help the U.S. economy. And if you don't help the U.S. economy, you're probably helping America. But by buying that chintzy dinosaur that eats cars, you're helping Asia and Taiwan get more economic dominance over you and your future jobs. Why bitch and moan about how America's lost its edge when you could bitch and moan about how you didn't get that chintzy cheap dinosaur that eats cars? Ladies and gentlemen, this Christmas message is brought to you by Rob Black. And the kids are peanuts. There's one thing I hate, it's chintzy plastic toys. There's hundreds of things that I hate. $400 pair of shoes that women buy. We don't look at your feet. Men don't look at your feet. Stop it. Stop buying stupid stuff. Um, happy holidays, everybody. Whole Foods not alone anymore. It's one of the stories that I'm working on. I know you're saying that's genius. Uh, from an investment standpoint, it kind of is. So get off my back. And what I mean by that is, there's the trend where Americans want to eat healthier. There's nothing in your freezer that's going to offer nutrition to you. It's been frozen. Comparative to fresh, it's a waste of your time. That's how people think in this day and age. Thus, Whole Foods is going to do well for the foreseeable future. Fresh market is one-tenth the size of Whole Foods. So, if I were to tell you that organic food is going to become a league of its own in the world of groceries. Now, it may not be the World Basketball Association, but it's no WNBA either. It's got its own little league. I know you're saying, WNBA, that's not still around, is it? 
I, I really don't know. Women playing professional basketball, I, I, I really don't know. If I were to have a daughter, would I want her to play professional basketball? I, 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 I really don't know. Oh, it's the Wookiee chiming in. Chewbacca doesn't like women playing basketball. He thinks they, just, they, they should be in the kitchen. Kind of agree with you that they do make tasty muffins. You don't want to say this on air? Sorry about that, Chewy. Well, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely bleep that one out. Thanks. So Whole Foods not alone anymore. There's companies like Sprouts Farmers Markets, Natural Grocers, uh, the Fresh Market. That's going to continue to be an investment theme. And Wall Street tends to get infatuated. Um, with revenue stories, quarter to quarter, year over year, month to month, if you can show revenue growth, I kind of like you a lot. Like, you're pretty. You got revenue growth? I like you. Yeah, I'm going to ignore that mole, money, money, money on your chin. I think your revenue more, I mean, I think your revenue growth is spectacular. Oh, moly. Oh, good God. Holy moly. Um, I had a friend, her last name was Zachrel, and in high school she ran with the phrase, holy mackerel vote, whatever her name was, Zachrel. Let's say Susie, let me, let me rephrase this in real terms. Holy mackerel vote, Susie Zachrel. And she won. And that tells me everything you need to know about Americans. Americans are stupid. We bought pet rocks. Americans are stupid. Just throwing it out there at you, okay? Are you good with it? There's a new poll out. Americans aren't expecting another bang-up year for the stock market. Of the people polled, 40% think the market will stabilize where it is now by the end of 2014, with 39% predicting that it will drop. But not crash. Only 14% believe the market will rise, and 5% think that it will crash. Keep in mind that a lot of Americans believe in UFOs coming and visiting our planet and leaving. Okay, for a weird fantasy, I can believe that another world could get something up in space. And for a weird brief moment, I can believe that it could travel to our Earth. And for a weird belief moment, I believe it can get into our atmosphere. But that's where it ends. I'm not really projecting that it gets back up one more time without extra fuel or without, well, how shall we say... I'm not even going to entertain this conspiracy theory. I've already, I've already given you three angles that, yeah, maybe there is life on, on other planets, and maybe they could travel. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, it would a party would have. But this ain't that. In my thought behind it is like one-tenth of a percent of a tenth of a percent of a tenth of a percent of a chance. So when you see Americans thinking the stock market is stabilized where it is now, I'm just like, I laugh at you. I laugh at you in your puny brains while I get on my roller coaster of love and jump onto my rocket ship to the moon and stop by and go to Mars for lunch and come back. Americans expecting a bang up here or not expecting a bang up here. I don't care. Like, what's going to determine next year? We don't know yet. How much do we respond to tapering? How much do we respond to positive job growth? How much pent-up demand is there in the autos? How much pent-up demand is there in homes and in babies? 
we know that the economy is pretty good right now. People are leaving established jobs to go out and stretch their legs into new opportunities. A lot of financial mobile companies cropping up, for instance. Where does this story end? Not really buying into the whole most Americans see the stock market angle. Because, again, I feel that the economy's bad, but not for me. It's because I hear stories about my neighbors. But really, I don't talk to my neighbors, so I'm kind of projecting on them. Because I hear stories on the news. And the news doesn't exactly go out and cover, yes, the average middle American's doing okay. Yes, they would do better if they had more money, but they're doing okay. So that just isn't in our lexicon. I know you're saying, tell me a story. Tell me a story, Robert. AIG is selling off its plane leasing business, which is just kind of like a big, uh, what is it? A big year fat and kiss off now. It's a big, what is it? Oh, it's a finality to what the company used to be, and now it's back to its insurance roots. And you're saying, AIG, wasn't that the company that got into some legal issues? Yes, yes it was. Um, Cirrus Logic down today. Oppenheimer cut its rating of the stock on to underperform, saying no big new features. Um, it supplies Apple, which is their biggest customer. So if Apple came out with like some sort of new semiconductor that did triple audio connections that sliced bread and got iTunes into other languages, sure. But that ain't the case. Sprint's in the news today. Will they or won't they buy T-Mobile next year? Here this to be Rob Black. Chad Burton's got a big webinar coming up this week. You can learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. You know a hard times. Just an old friend. Just an old friend to me. When your business is named, the KBO stocks rally ahead of a two-day Fed meeting from... and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I try to do something slightly intelligible. And what I mean that by that is I try to look at stories differently. And at the end of the year, I look at it as what does the story tell me about the year or what does it tell me about next year? Let me give you an example. Amazon.com is launching a service called Pantry of which I read the headline, and it sounded like Amazon.com is launching a service called Panty. Because I didn't read the whole thing all the way through. And I was like, well, that's interesting, right? They're going to deliver panties? Heck, I'll give the story a second and tell me where it's going to go. But then it turns out to be Pantry. And I was like, oh, bitter. They're going to deliver panties. So they're delivering... They're putting Costco in their crosshairs and saying, you know what? I know you like buying bulk, America. And I know you'll even pay for a service like Costco where you get a, the right to go and buy in bulk and hang out with other poor people. I mean, 
uh, not poor people. Let me fix that statement before I have to bleep that statement. I know you like going to Costco and hanging out with a lot of people who want to buy, like, 59 million sheets of tissue paper to blow their nose into. So Amazon's launching Pantry to take on Costco and Sam's. This is the year of the octocopter, but it's also the year of what can't Amazon sell? Right? Are you with me or against me? Because you got to choose a side. This is a war. And when I say they're going to launch a service called Panty, don't you think that they could probably do that too? Ladies, here's the Panty of the Month. Lady, here's Pantry. Ladies, get a DVD in the mail. Ladies, watch a TV show. Like, what can't they launch? Or is it just me? Dude, here's your beer of the month. Dude, here's your nine-pack of the month. What can't they not offer? A wine of the month? Can you think of anything that they can't deliver to us that we consume? I can't. Apple, peaches, pumpkin pie, who's not ready, holler I. I. Okay, thumbs up, seven up. Remember that game? One of the greatest games of all time. You'd go out and pick seven of your classmates. You'd touch their thumb, and then you'd go put your head down and put your thumb up, and one of those seven would touch your hand, and you'd have to guess who it was. I know you're saying, whoa, that's public education. I never experienced anything like that in my life. I know. I'm a product of public education. Need I say more reason for private education? NASDAQ's up 32, the Dow's up 152, and the S&P 500 up 13. Joining me now... Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a mortgage lender. He's my friend. He's the guy who does my loans. He's a good guy to use because he'll run scenarios for you, and he'll walk you through the process. Um, getting a lower rate, we dream about that. I mean, we all want the lowest rate. We all want to wait for the lowest rate. We all want to time it perfectly. We all want to know what's going to happen next week. How do you go about getting the lowest rate? What's your thoughts here? Right. So at any point in time, there's going to be an average rate that's out there. There's never any kind of going rate. It's what they call an average rate, and it always comes along with some sort of point or a percentage of a point. Um, so the the best technique, and it's become more apparent in this type of industry, the, the way that mortgages are what they call qualified or risk-layered is your credit. The first thing that you'd want to do is fix your credit. Higher credit scores will give you the best uh, opportunity to get the lowest rate. The difference between a 640 score and a 740 score on a traditional type of 30-year fixed, about one percentage point. On a $400,000 loan, that's about $2,400 a year you're going to spend more just because your credit score was lower. So how do you go about – I think you can manage things on your credit score. I think you can, try, you can manage some things on your credit score to help you get that lower rate, but you can't manage the rate. Right, so that that's plays a, into psychology. Right, that's another part of getting the lower rate is are, do you pay points? Uh, a lot of people are floating around these terms like no-cost loans. A no-cost loan does not necessarily mean a no-cost loan because you're paying a higher rate to get lower cost. But yeah. if you keep that loan – beyond that period of time that would have paid you back that $3,500 or so over five years, but you keep the house 10 years, you wasted money. You wasted 3500 in that extra five years. So you always have to look at the, the amount of time you plan on staying in the house, property. You have to look at the cost to, have the, to pay a point and see how long it takes to pay that back. I've paid points on at least seven or eight mortgages, and I've been happy on all of them but one. And, and the reason I wasn't happy was I hope I, that's not the one I did for you, right? <laughs> well, it kind of is. Um, rate, rates fell a lot. They fell from 6% down to 4%, down to 3%. Right. So when you bought points on a 6% loan down to 5.5%, 
and then you're two years later you're at three percent three and a half percent like i didn't need that, to that, yeah. right so that's something that a lot of people have i got unlucky for. but i got lucky at the same time because rates fell aggressively Right, so you made up a little bit of the points that you paid. That is something that a lot of people were getting into, and there's something called benefit-to-borrower rules. When people do refinance and they're trying to get lower rates every time, there has to be enough benefit to the borrower. You're, you're, you have to have your closing costs paid back in a certain period of time, usually 36, 48 months. Your uh, payment has to drop a certain percentage, usually 5 or 6%, uh, in order for even Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac to even allow you to do the loan. So. Be very careful. Although there are some tax benefits, if you do pay a point and you do refinance a year later, you get to write it off all at once as opposed to over that, you know, 20 year so period. So um, buying points is one of the options. Um, Locking for shorter terms. What's that mean? What? Locking for shorter terms. Locking for a shorter term. So a 15 day lock. Uh, Like say you're doing a refinance, you start the process and you lock it. That's a damnation game. Right, so you lock a rate, you hope the deal gets done. You hope it gets done in 15 days, but or most people are just floating and then locking it once they get to the point where they can order, you know, sign their documents and then you, sh- you maybe do a 10-day lock or something like that. But what what happens here is you risk rates going up. My philosophy on locking a rate is lock when you're comfortable. And locking doesn't pro- it doesn't it's a, it's a protection from rates going up, not going down. And there are some float down rules, but they have to float down. The rates have to drop significantly in order to take advantage of that. So that's another way to do that. Uh, using different products, we just talked about the 15 year. It's um, yeah. and how the 15 year can make a uh, you know it's almost a three uh, three quarter spread between the 30 year and the 15 year. Um, that's one product. But the five year, let's say you know you're going to stay in the let's property. Let's talk about 15 real quick. Sure. We've got about a minute. My mom's now 78 and she has a 30 year mortgage. If I want it to, her next mortgage is a 15 year because she ain't going to make it to 93. That's just like there's some or me. I'm not going to retire in California. I don't need another 30-year mortgage. Like, maybe I will retire in California. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. start applying scenarios to what sort of mortgage you need, right? Absolutely. Now back to you. Well, another product that you can, another technique is to use like a shorter-term arm, like a five-year arm. If you know you're going to stay the pro- uh, property for, let's say, five years, a five-year arm can be almost one point lower than a t- traditional 30-year fix for the same kind of equity and credit score. So. Uh, and why give away that that extra percentage point every month? It's another way to get a lower interest rate. Yeah. Talk to Tony. Oh, that should be the, your next radio show. You do a radio show in the Bay Area on KDOW on 1220. Tuesday night? Tuesday night, 6, six, six to seven. 7. People can find it at kdow.biz. If you want to stream it, it's kdow.biz. With that said, talk to Tony. He does mortgage loans. Uh, his show is The Real Estate Report. I'm Rob Black. This is Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. And anything you want to talk about? We could talk about. Chad Burton's doing a webinar this week. You can learn more about retirement and wealth preservation by going to newfocusfinancial.com. Think possible. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. 
in an homage to Nelson Mandela, I'm going to sign the ending from Homeland last night, right here, right now. So if you have your web cameras on, you'll know exactly what happened at the end of Homeland last night. I'm going to sign it in honor of Nelson Mandela. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just signed the ending of Homeland. Uh, Did that sound like someone died? Don't know. Got to have sign language to figure that one out. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Uh, What's the sign for a rope? (laughs) Too close. Did you just hang yourself, Rob? Maybe. SP 500 up 13. The Dow's up 144. The NASDAQ up 33. Joining me now, certified financial planner Chad Burton. Chad, one of the areas that I think we could be of service to our listeners is telling them what we actually do and some of the, the tools that they could use to do it themselves. Keep in mind that it's, it's a long day, 12 to 14 hours, to be a financial planner, financial advisor, investment advisor. It, it's not easy work. It's, it's, it's very math-centric. It's a lot of research. It's staying on top of things. One of the areas that people make mistakes in is that they try to do, like, own 10 to 20 stocks. You need to spend at least two to three hours a week on any stock that you own, at least two to three hours. Yeah. So it's a lot of work when you start adding up 10, 20, 30 stocks. People can't possibly follow them. No, really. And, and, and having a portfolio that's really over 30 stocks is overkill anyways. Because okay. at that point, you might as well buy an index fund or an ETF. Because, you know, if you're going to take, let's say it's a 20-stock portfolio, you're doing 5% positions to get, you know, up to 100%. So if you're going to take the time to do it, you want a good pick to actually have an impact on your portfolio. So, you know, we've got the whole team that, that follows the 20 to 30 picks that we usually have. Right now we have about 18 picks right. and a little bit of extra cash, but, but that's a full-time job. And then we yeah. have a whole bunch of different sources that we buy and research from, including a you know, $2,000 a month Bloomberg terminal sitting right there. Now, with that said, Bloomberg Terminal, awesome tool. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. It's an amazing tool. Morningstar.com is a website that you can run your portfolio through, and you can use it for free for two weeks, the Portfolio Analyzer. That's Morningstar.com. Mm-hmm. What are some other resources that people could try to tap into? Well, first of all, be careful of research, re- resources that are kind of the market timing type of resources. Okay. Um, you can look at what other portfolios are doing. I mean, there's there's there's... Places like Financial Engines, which helps you get an idea with creating investment policy, for example. An investment policy is very important because it'll, it keeps you from making bets that are too big one way or the other. Okay. Because as soon as you make a bet too big one way or the other, you're typically wrong. Like, like those people that you know, totally get out of small cap and mid cap because they're super scared, usually they're super scared after one or two years of bad returns, which are then followed up by some super big returns in those areas. That's just how small cap and, and emerging markets work, for example. So you create an investment policy statement that says, you know, here's my pie chart. This is what I'm going to invest in between small cap, large cap, mid cap, international, commodities, real estate, bonds. And you might allow yourself to overweight 10% above or 10% below your investment policy that you have. Sure. But don't go over that. It kind of forces you to sell, and that's the hardest type of to, uh, part of investing. Buying's easy. It's fun to find that sexy ETF or the fund or getting into tech or whatever you want to be in. People ask me when to sell. It's, it's, to me, it's the same reasons for when you buy, mm-hmm. but opposite. Right. I like the CEO. I like the margins. I like the revenue. I like the earnings. I like the profitability. So you would sell if the CEO leaves or if the margins deteriorate or if the revenue declines. Like, it is easy if you're a robot like me. Yeah. 
well, the emotions kill investing. So the best way to invest is just do what the opposite of what your gut says. <laughs> you're probably going to be better served. But investment policy, if you're doing funds and ETFs, it says I'm going to uh, my weighting is 25% in large cap, for example. And yeah. That's not what my recommendation is. But let's say it's that. If that goes up to 35%, you need to trim it. You need to sell some of that growth and put it back to somewhere that didn't do as well. Because if you have growth in one area, you're going to have a decline in another, and that's when you want to rebalance. Or if it's an individual stock portfolio, and let's say you're doing 20 stocks that you're buying at 5% positions, as soon as that hits 7%, peel the 2% of the gain off. Peel that off and rebalance so that you're taking the house money off the table. Selling's okay. Yeah, sometimes it means you're going to pay taxes, but that means you've had a gain. I'd rather have pay taxes on a gain than try to write off a loss. Okay, short answers here. What do you think about Barron's Magazine? I like Barron's, especially when they kind of play the devil's advocate. So when they see a lot of stuff in media that's really you know, touting a, a certain trade or a sector, they'll come in and be the devil's advocate. Investors Business Daily. Um, it's okay for general direction. Um, if you're more of a short-term investor, it, I think it's a great tool. But it's probably the third or fourth place that I'll read. How about Wall Street Journal? like the Wall Street Journal, especially on the personal finance articles. And the overall global news. How about something like Wired Magazine, which shows future tech trends, uh, useful or not? Uh, it's, I think it's more useful for somebody that's like investing in that or working in that yeah. area. I um, used to um, – I actually got one of my cheats was the, in the early 90s they did an article on there's going to be this super fast technology called DSL. And <laughs> instantly I, I go, I go – before Google – I, I go to the internet, I type in DSL companies, and I, I found a cheat sheet on companies that were going to be offering a super fast internet. And a lot of them did very, very well for me, but I couldn't possibly recommend that as a, a tool that's going to work each and every time. Yeah, yeah. How about Value Line? You a Value Line guy? Love Value Line, especially for the, the, the more mature investor that's looking for the dividend yeah. growers and buying stocks that, that kind of are in the more stable area. Yeah. Um, another new site that I absolutely love is briefing.com. I go to that every morning. It's one of the first places I go. Yeah, and so that's not cheap uh, to get a professional service, but yeah, it, it, it's worth it. If you can, like, maybe if you're in an investment club with 10 of you, you'll pull your money, pull your resources. And that, that's something I recommend, pooling resources. And I think investment clubs are a great idea for people too, Chad, because... It teaches you that we're all different investors. And, for instance, I, I once did an investment club with women, and they were the more mature women, if you know what I'm saying, um, i.e. elderly. Uh, one woman in that group was just as big as nasty as BIT, and I'm not going to you know, go there. But, <laughs> and no one liked her, but she was probably the best investor because she would always bring up the negatives. It's easy to find the positives, but to find the negatives is a lot more difficult in this society. Yeah, you know, an investment type of a committee like that when you're when you're working with other people it's it's almost like an argument i remember i hired uh, one of our analysts in one of the, after one of the first investment policy committee meetings that we had where yeah. we go in and argue our case he came into my office i don't think the meeting went very well is there something that i did wrong i mean it seems like you were really mad at me and i'm like no you can't take that stuff personally if you come up with an idea i'm going to try to shoot it down until you can convince me that that's the right idea and you have you know, uh, your your theory is right, and you believe it's right. In hindsight, was Chicken Little right? <laughs> no, no, I'm not calling him Chicken Little, but I know who you're talking about. With that said, that's Certified Financial Planner Chad Burton. You can find him online at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So I sauntered into television this morning. Some kind of a big deal. I have a TV show, and I'm... In, Financial reporter. People know me. And we don't do a lot of prep sometimes for the first spot. Second spot, we do a lot of prep for. First spot, what's going on with the markets? It's that kind of simple. What do you see? What do I see? Kind of thing. 
And Mr. Dannon, Mark Dannon, he of the YoPlay uh, legacy of, of leaving yogurt behind the people, said to me, Katie Kirk's making $6 million a year at Yahoo starting next year. And I said, I know, it sounds like a lot of money, right? And he goes, yeah, I guess she's taking a bit of a pay cut. She was pulling in $15 million when she was news anchor at CBS. And at ABC, she had to deal worth over $40 million for three years, which if you divide and carry the one, there's 10, 3, 16, 16 point, I don't know, $6 million a year. Um, so now she's going to be making $6 million a year to do a show on Yahoo. My voice is so angelic that it puts baby lambs to sleep, just so you know. You look like a succulent baby lamb. I love baby lambs. So, Katie Kirk is uh, going to be doing something. What is it? Uh, Oh, a show on Yahoo. No, news for Yahoo. Actually, we don't know what the hell she's doing for Yahoo. But she's doing something. The point being... I don't have a point. I'm just trying to fill three minutes of time doing the best that I can with a little seltzer in my pants I'm doing in dance. Uh, so Katie Kirk is actually, that's one of the big stories of 2014. That could make my big stories of 2014 list of big stories of 2014. Um, tablets. More and more and more Americans are not putting our fat airs on the couch, eating milk duds and Doritos while we're watching the news. Instead, we're taking our fat airs and putting it into our comfy Tempur-Pedic bed, which, by the way, I need a new bed, Tempur-Pedic, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, get what I mean. And we're putting ourselves in our fat, wonderful, I slept all night long in a Tempur-Pedic bed, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. And we're watching tablets. Or we're going, let's go see what's on Roku. There's a fantastic new channel on Roku. Do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? Um, I don't. I, I can't remember the name of it. But if you drop me an email, Robert Black.com, I'll certainly tell you. But we're watching channels on Roku, which you can also watch on your tablet or your TV. More Americans are cutting the old CNN out of our lives. CNN said they're giving up on 24-hour news. They're looking for featured programming. I will once again try to get a job with CNN, and they will once again tell me no. And it's okay. That's a big story. Hey, big webinar tomorrow night. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So a lot of what I try to do on the show is show you things. You know, last night's final episode of Homeland for the season three had a dramatic ending. And Breaking Bad had a dramatic ending. Some people argued it was a great ending, it was a horrible ending. 
where does this story finish? Golden era of TV. I think cable, you've been served. I know you're saying, did you just use a dance term from the early 2000s about outdancing one another? Yes, you've just been served, Comcast. What will cable do in 5 to 10 to 15 years is a big question. Now, people have been predicting the death of the Internet, the death of television, the death of whatever, because it's good media. But TV has really hit this golden era. Katie Kirk's on in deal with Yahoo. is telling you that, you know, you no longer have to be ABC, CBS, NBC to distribute. Look, there's probably a million radio stations out there right now. When the FCC used to control, like, maybe 20 in a market, there's probably a million in, in this market because of the Internet and podcasts. Podcast is just another way of saying, hey, here's a radio show that doesn't have an antenna. Do I hate it? Yes, because I actually work in the industry. But am I realistic of it? Yes. Amazon launching Panty. I know, you're saying you're still stuck on them delivering panties of the month. No, I'm not. It's Pantry. I am obsessed with them delivering volumes of paper towels. Because you know what? In my lifetime, I'm going to probably use another thousand rolls, and I can have space for it in my garage. So go ahead, bring it on, and I don't have to sign Costco. I don't have to do that membership. Love it. Love it, 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 love it. Big story of the year, in my opinion. Google's moving into military robots. Okay, so you losers who are working in fast food and want a livable wage don't understand that it's a franchisee who's paying you? Oh, little Billy Jack. We'll get to this in a second. Pause that for a second. Okay, so you losers who are like... Uh, working at McDonald's. And you want a livable wage, and you, you want McDonald's to pay it. You, McDonald's doesn't pay your paycheck. It's some sort of schlub who has a franchisee who's paying your paycheck. That's a big story of 2013, right? It's never going to happen in fast food. Yes, there will be a national federal wage that goes higher over time, no doubt about it. That's my Canadian friend would say. Google has acquired a military robotics firm called Boston Robotics. And... Like, if you haven't seen the movie Terminator, you don't know how this story ends. No, 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 too early, too too early, too early, too early, too early for the Billy Jack theme. Um, Google has quietly purchased eight high-tech robotic firms over the past six months. Okay, so they've been doing a robot revolution at Google, and that kind of worries me, because I saw Terminator. You terminated. (laughs) Um, Remember when I promised to kill you last? I lied. So, why are they doing this? Are their self-driving robots going to deliver panties to your door in the panty of the month from Google? Are they going to deliver thousands of paper towels to your door? The robot drives the car and delivers. What's going to happen, Google? We need to know. So, you losers who are doing fast food, this is what you need to be protesting. Google Robotics, because it's going to take your job. They're going to go into McDonald's and make french fries. Hello, may I help you? Remember when I said I was going to bring you fries? I lied. Ah! And out comes the Gatling gun and killing everyone. You broke my cover! <laughs> okay, final story, because I know they're going to pull the plug on the transmitter today. This is my last show. Thank you very much. I've been here all day. Don't forget to tip your waiter or waitresses. Um, I immediately regret this decision. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I have a voice that makes a Wolverine purr. 
And, well, people like Frank Sinatra, he's a hobo compared to me. I'm very important. I was uh, part, how shall we say, of the business that started making right arms in suits bigger because my right arm, I've pumped it so much that, well, I, I do over a thousand reps. Okay, now cue the Billy Jack theme. It's one of the first movies I remember seeing in my life. Big campaign in 1974. It's got one of the greatest theme songs ever as far as awful theme songs go. The movie was Billy Jack, about a part American Indian, Vietnam vet, who has to come home and fight to save his city from drugs or something like that. I'm not quite sure. The filmmaker, Tom Laughlin, who shot to fame as the action hero Billy Jack, he died yesterday, or the day before that, or the day before that, sometime recently. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. He left his film career to start a Montessori preschool in Santa Monica that became the largest school of its kind in the United States. He was involved in psychology and domestic abuse. He wrote many books bound in fine leather on Jungian psychology. He was an actor. He was much, much more. He survived by his wife of 60 years. 60 years? So when he died at 82, he lived a pretty good life. I know you're saying you're doing a eulogy. That's so unlike you. It is. It's also kind of a way of saying, think about your life and where it goes, and how iconoclastic you can become, and how much wealth you create to leave on to your wife and your children. Do you think he needed whole life when he died? Probably didn't. I know you're saying, I'm going to go rip Billy Jack. I'm pretty sure you can get on Netflix. I'm pretty sure you can disrupt the model. Go check it out today. Fantastically great bad action film that opened the door for people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and robots. I know you're saying, did you just bring this full circle? I did it! I did it! I did it! Stop just dreaming about a brighter future. Go after it. If you're a technical thinker with the ambition to Satna's Network. Management wasn't too happy with that last segment. I barely got back to the microphone in time after being chastised. For what has already been acknowledged by the Smithsonian Institute of Radio Greatness Hall of Fame as the greatest segment ever in financial media. Um, I don't even know how to do this segment now. That was such a great segment. Seriously, I should just cut and run, right? I should get on my jet pack and go home. I know you're saying, you've got a jet pack. I knew I loved you for a reason. Yes. Um, I've got a great list that we can go over. It's the top... Is it the top stories of the year? No, no, no. Is the top stocks for 2014. 
No, 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 no. Let's not even go there. I've got a better list. Is it top surprises that could cause the market to correct? No, 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 no. It's Rob Black's top Christmas songs ever. This is on the list, surprisingly. But it's not number 10. Number 10 would be Happy Christmas Wars Over by John Lennon. Number 9 on the list. Christmas Eve by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Performs in December in Sarajevo. I think the year was 1824. White Christmas by a guy named Jack Crosby. Don't call me Bing. He was angry when people called him Bing. He got so angry, he talked about grabbing his pen and stabbing you in the neck. The Most Wonderful Time of the Year by Andy Williams. I'm pretty sure he was a Greek protester. It's not a good song at all, but it made my list. I'm not sure why. Feliz Navidad, which was invented by the Mexican government to make going to Mexico more Christmassy. A Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives, who I loved Burl Ives. I used to drink scotches with Burl Ives. He was like 92 and I was like 3. There's no irony in it being a Holly Jolly Christmas. We were drunks. Number 4 on the list. It's called The Christmas Song. I know you're saying, what the hell song is that? Well, it's actually Chestnuts Resting on Open Fire by Nat King Cole. And I ask you a question. Have you ever, 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 ever roasted a chestnut? And if you did it on an open fire, the Berkeley police would come and arrest you for for uh, fire prevention month thing where you're not allowed to open fires and smog alerts. Damn you, Berkeley police were ruining my Chestnuts on an open fire. Jingle Bell Rocks by Bobby Helms. I don't even know what that's about, but it features women in elf costumes and roller skates. And who doesn't think Christmas is elves and Santa women, legs, 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 legs in roller skates? Speaking of roller skates, what's up with one of the worst? One of the worst? I know you're saying, drop it, Rob. I can't drop it. Andrew Lloyd Weber shows. I know you're saying, you've been to an Andrew Lloyd Weber show, and it was roller skates? I know you're saying, tell me more, I'm intrigued. And like Cats, which was awful and reminds me of Christmas, was it Cats where they did for their ninth life and sing songs about being different types of cats, like fat cats and scientific cats and... And prostitute cats. Was Starlight Express one of your favorite Christmas songs? No. I'm not even sure why I made the list, but it did. And I apologize for that. So number two on the, the, the list is Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. Which I've always said, never trust never trust people with glass eyes. The song's 69 years old. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no. She's 69 years old. Slight difference. So the song is actually 54 years old, which has me thinking, should you let your 15-year-olds go out and sing Christmas songs? And the answer is no. 
Mariah Carey is tops the list with All I Want for Christmas is You. And I say, what do you have against baby sheep? Why does she want do's, EWEs? And it's that darn Mariah Carey. She drinks the blood of baby sheep. Greatest Christmas song of all time. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. If you want to complain, my name is Mo at moansari.com. Or if you want to praise, it's rob at robblack.com. Rob at robblack.com. Uh, what's happening on Wall Street? This is the point. Nothing's happening on Wall Street. We're thinking about Christmas music. The Nasdaq's up 32. Woohoo! Another up year. Can you say Nasdaq 4000, baby? Dow Jones Dust and Average up 135. Sitting somewhere near 16,000. It's too big of a number for me to comprehend this morning. S&P 500 is up 12, sitting at 1787. The Fed's gonna taper. That message is out there. Bonds are adjusting to it. Professionals are adjusting to it. Now, don't be the dumbest person on the planet and adjust to it in two to six months when your broker calls you up and says, I, yo, it's me. The guy you only talk to when uh, I need money. I mean, when uh, the market's changing. There's a thing called the taper. This is what I think you should do. Oh, okay. Okay, George. So, yeah, there's a budget fight. Don't be the person that responds later. We know that's going to happen. Debt ceiling issues. That's all part of what's going to happen in 2014. What could cause gold to go higher or lower? cheaper money if the Fed's tapering we don't have cheaper money do I expect the Fed to taper again in my lifetime probably do I expect gold to be a play in my lifetime again maybe I own no physical gold restaurant stock of the year for the record can I get a drum roll please okay in light of a drum roll can you spit at me in my general direction restaurant stock of the year Wendy's. Wendy's. The pretzel bacon cheeseburger does it again. Coming in close. The brioche roll. Burger King making a turkey burger low-calorie double sandwich that was fried with egg whites in it. No, 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 no. The pretzel bacon cheeseburger by Wendy's gets restaurant of the year. Congratulations. Pick up your prize on the way out. You're not allowed to win two years in a row, but thank you for competing. Big trend of the year is how much do fast food chains suck that they have to come up with pretzel burgers and egg white sandwiches. And Burger King, believe it or not, did a French fry hamburger, which was a hamburger with four French fries on top. This was the year where restaurants sucked it up so bad that they made up stuff. I don't know. This song makes me think of Chris Christie or Pete Peters or... I don't know. The song gets in my head in a bad way. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Don't be shy. It's 800-516-1220. Hey, man. 
listening to Rob Black and your money on AIM 1220 KDOW. I'm not positive about this. I might be making it up. Disclaimer. But there's a word called disfranchisementalism. Disfranchisementalism. And basically it's the longest word in American English dictionary length per letter. It's depriving a person the right of citizenship. Or deprive of a franchise privilege or right. Every two weeks there's a mass shooting in the United States. And I think I have a solution. People always yell at each other. You can't take away our guns. The Constitution says right to bear arms. I think we just need to kill angry teenagers. Solution solved. Problem fixed. Let's move forward. They're disenfranchised. Nothing we could do for them anyway. Ma'am, I want to watch Game of Thrones. Uh, you need to go see the law authorities because we're going to throw you in the wood chipper. Sorry. That one's got to hurt. Anyhow, and anyway, I know you're saying, you didn't prepare a show today, did you? You showed up drunk. Maybe I did. 800-516-1220, teacher calls in there. Ooh, hit in the tap. Stop, 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 stop. Too much head, too much head. No! <laughs> Doesn't that kill you when you see a bartender do put too much head on a beer? Like, don't you just want to reach over the bar and, and slap them? Or is that just a, a thing that I have in me? Might be. Might be. Probably shouldn't have shared that one. I don't mind telling you about disenfranchisementarianism and killing of teenagers and putting them in Hunger Games when they don't respect our authority. And when they have opinions, certainly we should give them guns. NASDAQ up 26, Dow's up 133, SP 500 up 12. Let's welcome in Tony Mendez. Tony and I go way back. He's someone that I trust. He's someone I've done loans with in the past. He is my lender. You can find him online at bayarealonesource.com. It's bayarealonesource.com. I am in my world of the stock market, of companies and picking stocks and the economy and interest rates as tied towards borrowing costs for corporations. You, on the other hand, see things a little bit differently. I don't see everything you see. And like an FHA loan, I don't even know what it is. What's it? What is it? Federal Housing Administration. Okay. It's, it was started back in the 40s to help low-income and low-credit borrowers get into housing. It was an initiative, uh, and it's still around. It's, it's now slowly becoming, or fast becoming, the new subprime. Subprime is gone. Those are those tricky loans, the stated income, interest-only, and negam loans. FHA kind of replaced that. It's also a low-down payment program. You can put as little as 3.5% all the way to $729,000 loan here in the Bay Area. So it's a tool that people use when they have um, a lower lower income, lower credit scores, and lower down payment. It's not always the best tool to get into real estate, especially if the market's going to be flat or you think your job might go away sometime soon or you might decrease income or lose some income from a family member if they have a child, for example. Um, But there are some advantages to it. You you can get gift money from a a couple other places. You can have non-occupant. Co- uh, co-borrowers, meaning you can have your parents help you co-sign. Wait, wait, wait. Let's 
do the first one first. Gift money. What is gift money, and how does it tie to an FHA loan, and why is that a good thing? Um, gift money is gift from a family member, for right. example. And you can do that in most cases with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, your regular conventional loans. But all of the gift can come from your family as opposed to having it to put in a 5 or 10% on the Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Um, gifts are... are a good thing, I, I think, and it's a way that you know families help each other out. Um, but it's it's still my goal that no matter what I do on a real estate transaction, I always try to get twenty percent because the extra down payment that you put in is going to get rid of that mortgage insurance, and it's all about the rate of return. With FHA has a high mortgage insurance, and this is the the con to FHA is not the con meaning it's a is a scam. It's the, the pro and con is. Mortgage insurance for FHA has gone up year over year over year since 2006. It's over one and a quarter right now on a monthly basis, and that's planning on going up again. And they're about to change the rule about keeping your mortgage insurance for five years and then being able to eliminate it once you hit 78%. It's called now life mortgage insurance, life of the loan mortgage insurance. So it's becoming a lot more expensive to use FHA. It has regained popularity recently, but it's it's probably going to go away. FHA has been having some trouble keeping their balance sheet straight. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit FHA. That's a product. I don't know it. I trust that people like you know all the products out there. Um, You one time showed me something called Loan Sifter that you punch in someone's name, address, income, and it basically starts telling you, you know, who will loan this person how much money. Uh, do I need to know about FHA, or do I just need a good lender who knows about all the programs out there? If if, If you're in a product... Uh, buying a house or refinancing, and your loan amount is conforming, meaning it conforms to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and you have at least 10% equity, you don't need an FHA loan. You can, you'll still get a mortgage insurance, but it'll be a lot less lowering, but your rate might be a little higher. But your mortgage insurance will drop off at a certain point as opposed to FHA. Um, I think if you were to do normal payments on a 3.5% down, you're looking at over seven, eight years of keeping mortgage insurance as opposed to somebody who gets bonuses. Let's say you get a, uh, you're looking at the difference between FHA and a conventional, and you have 10% down. Should you use FHA or should you use a conventional? I'd use conventional if you had a way to get that loan balance below 80% of the original appraised value because your MI will drop off. FHA, you have to keep it a minimum of five years. The new proposal will make you keep it for the life of the loan. Yeah. Like I said, said, when we started this segment, there's some things that I don't know. I'm actually kind of glad I don't know all those thoughts on FHA. You know, I get the low down payment. I get the, the rate same as a conventional, but it's too much for me to retain. I'll give you a reason why you'd want to use FHA. If your credit score was 640, yeah. you're going to have a much higher rate if you use a conventional. But FHA has a flat a flat rate for whether you have a 640 or an 800 score. So that's another reason to use FHA. Got it. That's Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. If you're shopping for a home, you're going to need to shop for a loan. Contact him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. So I just got an email from Bill who seems to be one of those crazy people who emails me on a regular basis. Senior Negro. Saw Billy Jack when I was in high school. I'm going to take this foot right here and kick you on that cheek right there, and there isn't one thing you can do about it. So he quotes the movie. (laughs) This goes back 35 minutes into a time machine when I was doing the last segment of the first hour. He says, what a flashback when I heard Billy Jack died whenever. How idealistic it was in that theme song. One of your greatest segments ever, Roberto. He's speaking to me in Mexican. Please forward to management that you should get a raise. It comes to us from 
bill. Wait, wait. Too early on the rim shot. Please forward to management that you should get a raise. And my response is, I'll get a, a raise when minimum wage gets hired next year. Thanks very much. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm a fan of George Carlin. So don't get angry at me when I tell you this. Um he didn't pin every wise and political and social commentary in American history. He did something that he put together, he strung together a lot of pithy comments, and then he would tie a piece to it. Um, Like, I'm not a bad American. So he'd say things like, I didn't realize Dr. Juice was a genius until I had a kid. I'll admit that the only movie that they ever made me cry was Old Yeller. And then it ends with, my definition, I'm a bad American. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm a good American. I'm not saying I'm a bad American. I'm not saying I'm a Republican. I'm not saying I'm a Democrat. There's things that I will say that will throw you into the Darwinian woodchipper. I'm still working on exactly what it is that gets you thrown in. But I think if you can tell me Snoopy's Snooky's last name, you're in that chip woodchipper. Um... I think if you enjoy twerking, you're in that Darwinian woodchipper. If you've ever been to Starlight Express or Cats on Broadway, or in local theater, you're in that woodchipper. For the record, if you've ever been to a local dinner theater, you're in that woodchipper. No, no, no. If you ever had anything nice to say about local dinner theaters, you're in that woodchipper. So I'm working on a list. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. Um... I know that wrestling's fake. If you think that wrestling's real, you're in that Darwinian woodchipper. I know that every one of those wrestlers could, you know, seriously do bodily harm to me. Um, so, I don't know. I've never wandered 40 years in a desert, so I don't really have an opinion about people smarter than me who have. See, I'm very Carlin-like, just like that. And then I can say something like, What's Gina Davis doing in a sitcom? Hmm? That doesn't even make sense. Do you sit or do you come? Um, I figured out that Bruce Willis was dead in the sixth sense pretty early on. Like, when there was no eye contact with a spouse. And I blurted it out. Just like this. Uh, the ending... If you don't want to be spoiled... Turn off your radio right now. The ending last night in Homeland left you hanging. 
Um, there you go. So, Homeland comes to me, and it brings up this concept, this idea, this thought of how great TV is in this day and age. Game of Thrones. HBO coming up sometime in the next, like, four months, right? It has to start soon. Don't go to the Red Wedding. Do not go to the Red Wedding. Wedding. Do not, Joffrey, don't drink that. Don't drink that. Um, they all die. That's what I know is they all die. Game of Thrones ends with them all dying. Um, and then the, the, the giant character becomes king. I know you're saying the giant who's kind of slow. Isn't that kind of cliche in this day and age to make giants slow? Mm, kind of, yeah. I saw Jack and the Beanstalk, the movie version, this weekend because, well, let's just say I had surgery. And I didn't get it. So I'm stuck in bed and I'm watching movie after movie after movie after movie. And I didn't get it. Watched it again and I still didn't get it. Okay, 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 okay. So we know that there's a trend in investing. One of the trends is that younger people like fresh food. Is that funny? My generation were known as like, wait, you mean a frozen pizza could taste just as good as a fresh pizza? Like a, I can't even say DiGiorno. How do you say that? Is that is that Italian for pizza DiGiorno? So we bought into this whole frozen food revolution. My generation, Generation X, we're not the smartest, but we try really hard to look like we are. So have a copy of that report to me on Monday, would you? There, James. Thanks. So Whole Foods, the younger generation, they, they get that frozen food's not that good for you. And there's no health in frozen food. So Whole Foods comes out publicly traded, right? And it, it has the market all to itself. 2013 is going to be the year where we kind of mark that more competitors came in. More competitors. Not that they haven't had competitors before, but now they're publicly traded. Like the Fresh Market, National Grocers, Sprouts Farmer's Market. Sprouts Farmer's Market showed 24% revenue growth. Now, again, not everything you buy at the farmer's market's fairly priced. Some of it's just flat-out rip-offs. Which brings me to the point, how does Costco do a whole chicken for four ninety nine? It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. You can get a whole roasted chicken for four ninety nine. If that's not worth your Costco membership right there, I'd pay $99 to get a whole roasted chicken for $4.99. Are you with me? Or are you against me? Got to pick a side. Okay, so... Big story of the year was fast food protesting, right? You have to have seen that story. We want a little more. Taco Bell. Oh, Taco Bell. Um, Have you ever found yourself wondering, like at 1 o'clock, am I too drunk to drive to Taco Bell? (laughs) First and foremost, there's your answer should be no. Am I too drunk to drive to Taco? Does Taco Bell deliver? No. So I got to drive. Okay. And then you're like, I really need a quesadilla. I really, 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 really need a quesadilla. How am I going to pull this off? Automated driving cars. Google has your answer. Or robots. Google's getting into military robots. Listen to this. They bought a company called Boston Dynamics this weekend. I know. You're saying, I'm listening. Okay. So this robot should be able to deliver food to you. I don't see why not. If we're talking about having drones deliver stuff to you, why not put robots that run on the freeway? You're like, robots can't run on the freeway. Um, 
Boston Dynamics has built some heavy-duty robots, one of them that can run faster than Usain Bolt, and one that climbs a wall like a gecko and jumps 30 feet high. Now, you're like, I want a livable wage working at McDonald's. There's a very good chance you're going to be replaced by a robot very soon. I know you're saying, well, then I'll just unionize. <laughs> and the robots will come and kill you. So try it. Most Americans are expecting the stock market to be either flat or lower by the end of 2014. Most Americans bought pet rocks in the 1970s. Americans are stupid. Let's go back in the Wayback Machine. The day is December 16th, 2012. Do you know what the highest forecast for this year was? No, no. Do you know what the average forecast for 2013 results were? 8%. I know you're saying, you're talking in real time. Well, I thought we were in the Wayback Machine back in 2012. 2012. So December 16th, 2012. Taking a look at all the predictions on Wall Street, they expect a return of 8% for the year 2014. I'll tell you. Rob Black will tell you. I'm Rob Black. That's a pretty good return. But, hey, take a look at this. There's one analyst who expects a 14% return. And that's in the high end. Then you look at the low end that some people are expecting a pullback. No, some people are expecting a pullback. I'm back in past tense. Some people are expecting a pullback in 2013 because of uh, the economy and because of the Fed and because tapering. It's not really working. Europe still hasn't gotten through their problems. We don't know if we have a hard landing or soft landing in China. Iraq may go to war. We never know. Oh, good God, you're, you're interrupting my bit with a telephone call. Okay, so this year we're up 30%. The analysts were wrong last year. Let's go to Nick in San Jose. Nick, go Hi, ahead. Uh, I'd like to ask you about a particular stock called Hilton Hotel. Yeah. I love, um, I love Paris Hilton. Have you seen her video? Yeah. She's hot. So, why do you want Hilton Hotels? Um, so, they just uh, IPO that stock. It's not really IPO. They've been there before. They went private. They returned. I would like to see your thought on it. It was a good investment for the future. Why do you want to buy IPOs? Are you the IPO guy? Twitter comes out, you're fascinated. Facebook comes out, you're fascinated. No, not all of them. Just Hilton, they've been around. I've been to some of the hotels. It's good. I prefer investing in real estate investment trusts versus publicly traded hotels. You can get the same kind of angle. Hilton Worldwide Holdings, and thanks for the call, is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, there's no secret about it. They're uh, one of the largest private companies that just came public. If you need a bed for the night, Hilton's got hundreds and thousands of them. Um, company is one of the world's largest hotelers, 4,000 hotels and resorts. Clearly, they benefit from a, an improving economy. So if your thing is an improving economy, that's great. Uh, when there's acts of terrorism, they tend to get hit. I'm not saying that I would buy or sell because of that, but uh, those are some of the things that move the stock. They IPO'd recently. The stock, uh, they went, like you said, they were public. We traded. Then they went private. Then they came back public so that the insiders who brought them private to help make them more efficient uh, can get out. Um, I think the stock looks expensive in the short term. Most IPOs look expensive in the short term. So if you buy it, you're buying it for the long term. You're going to have to buy it numerous times. Uh, they don't come public because, hey, let's, let's bring a lot of value to Wall Street. Let's cash out and give Nick a cheap stock to buy. It's traded at 14 times EBITDA. 
That's expensive compared to its peers. I'd prefer its peers. But you're fascinated with IPOs. You like fancy new shiny bobble. Not me. Hey, big webinar tomorrow night. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. It's a wealth and preservation retirement planning webinar tomorrow night. Sign up for free at newfocusfinancial.com. AM 1220 KDOW. We are, 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 we on AM 1220, KDOW. Another reason to hate Los Feliz, Los Angeles, California. This band, indie rock band, Airborne Toxic event. Lead vocals, Mikel Jolette, Stephen Chen on guitar. He's an upright bass. For no other reason than not to look pretentious. They have a violinist for no other reason than to have a woman play the violin. They've played concerts with the Colorado, Colorado Symphony Orchestra. I didn't even know there was an orchestra in Colorado. I don't believe it. Um, what's interesting to note about them? Started by a guy who was a writer and essayist. I know you're, you're saying an essayist. Is that someone who like maps stuff? Uh, no, it's actually someone who writes articles, but I don't know how to pronounce that correctly. So he started writing songs, and he got, you know, would turn over to acoustic guitar. And writing learned, pushed something in a direction. The band was really started in 2006, 2007, when the lead singer's mother was diagnosed with cancer. And he had a genetic autoimmune disease himself. Um, so he's got that alopecia, Arietta. I think that's the right way of saying that. I'm not quite sure. Like a lot of his songs are kind of like tragic. A song called Wishing Well. I know you're saying, where does this go? I don't know. I got an email from someone who... I found it hilarious when you read this too. You're going to say, please tell me that something that's hilarious and first and foremost so alopecia is that condition where you lose some hair on all of or some parts of your body usually from the scalp it causes bald spots on the scalp it's sometimes called spot baldness <laughs> but it's like in a weird spot it's not in the back of your head see next time someone says hey Rob it looks like you're losing your hair I'll say shut up I got alopecia areata and then they'll feel bad for me but it's just that I'm losing some hair on my head. And I don't really know what else to say about that other than to say that I don't know much about that. So I got an email that I found kind of hilarious because here we're talking about a guy who was a writer and essayist. You can't make money writing, can you? Seriously. Like, pull my other leg. No, 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 that's not my leg. You can't make money writing, can you? So... I got an email from someone this weekend, and I found this fascinating. 
He goes, uh, I used to follow your show when you were on San Francisco on Cron. Now, again, I'm doing a TV show today on Cron 4, Channel 4. I'm on every Monday at 11 a.m. I'm also on at 6.45, 9.15 every morning. He goes, I'm an attorney struggling to find a fulfilling career and have thought of broadcasting financial news. Can you spare 20 minutes for an informational interview? Comes to me from Noel. And the answer is no. First and foremost, why would I help you take my job? Second, there's no money in radio. Well, there's money in radio. If you like minimum wage, if living on less money than someone who's living on unemployment makes, there's plenty of money. Plenty of money. It's a ghast full of money. There's a trove of money. Much like Daffy Duck in the Alibaba episode where he gets shrunken down to the size of a pinky and he goes into a clam. No, he's smaller than a pinky because a pinky can't fit in a clam. He's shrunk down to a quarter the size of a pinky and he gets in a clam and he, he, he finds a pearl and he goes, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm, I'm rich. That's what it's like working in radio. The riches are crazy if you like living on less than someone who's unemployed. Television, it's even better. You can live like two people on unemployment. Why would you want to go into broadcasting financial news when you're an attorney? You went to graduate school to become an attorney. You took a big test to be an attorney. Just go do what attorneys do and bill for ridiculous things. Like, um, I actually have a friend who's an attorney. I actually have two brothers who are attorneys. Best piece of advice my brother David ever told me, and this is financial advice. This is not social. This is not humanitarian. It's just financial. He says, if you ever run someone over with your car, put it in reverse and make sure they're dead. In large part because someone who's dead is worth less than someone who's disabled. I know you're saying, that can't possibly be true. It actually is. If you get in front of a jury and you run someone over and you argue they're dead, and they'll say, well, you just took 30 years of their working career. So let's say they're making $100,000. We want $3 million. We're going to triple that to $9 million. But you can't charge for pain and suffering. Like, it, it, it's, there's no... Like, for instance, if someone earns you today, let me put it in more humane terms so you're not offended by what I say. Ye of weak, offensive minds. I say, eat cake. It's better than death. Um, if you get rear-ended today, the insurance company knows that that's worth $3,000 to $10,000. Maybe $10,000 if you're in a high-income state. Maybe $10,000 if it's more severely sprained and you actually go straight to the hospital in an ambulance. But if you go, like, the next day, you tighten up that night, it's probably going to be more like 3000 Like, there's a mathematical formula for all this, which is kind of funny that we ha- we And then your attorney... I'm going to sit in the car and I'm going to call Rob. Rob picks up the phone. Hello? This is your attorney. I just charged you 15 minutes for this phone call. He prank calls me and hangs up. That's what I would do if I was an attorney. I'd prank call people and charge them for it and laugh and giggle and snicker. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. We still have plenty of time for phone calls. We've got one minute. One minute. So retirement planning and bond alternatives tomorrow night, December 17th from 6.30 to 7.30 live. It's a webinar. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Talk about building a portfolio that will last decades, reducing risk, strategies, in a low interest rate environment, which we are still in. And we will be for at least two plus years. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You can sign up for that event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Watch my show this morning at 11 o'clock. Channel 4, Cron. 
The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Savvy investors know where to find the best possible investment advice. And according to the financial experts at U.S. News & World Report, one of the best podcasts is locally grown. AM 1220 KDOW is home for Rob Black and your money. Weekday mornings at 7. Now you can take Rob Black with you in your car. On Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.